Well, when we think about pioneers, uh, in general, we draw from accounts of the early settlers trekking across the newly formed United States, men that made a difference in forming new lands like Lewis and Clark, the men who explored the Northwest Territory in the early 1800s. Well, today we're celebrating two women who had a significant impact in the 20s and 30s, both abroad in Britain and in the United States. Two truly women pioneers ahead of their own time. Susan Hertog is the author of the critically acclaimed novel Anne Moreau Lindbergh, Her Life. Um, a beautiful account of uh, Anne Lindbergh. And now uh, Susan has a new book called Dangerous Ambition, Rebecca Wesk and Dorothy Thompson. Subtitle, New Women in Search of Love and Power. Well, how are you today, Susan? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, this is Greg Grasso with the Marshall Public Radio Hour. So uh, let's get talking with Susan Hertog. Well, yes, Susan, um, thank you very much for coming um, uh, on board today. Uh, I'm, we're going to have a great show. And uh, first, one thing I, f- I need to ask you, if you don't mind. Um, Not at all. Okay. Um <laughs> Rebecca West and Dorothy Thompson. Um, yeah. We're talking 19, uh, 1890s. Um, one gal lives in Britain, one over here. Both of them um, were very, very influential in that era of time. Um, they were they were early feminists, weren't they? Yes, they wouldn't have called themselves feminists. Um, as a matter of fact, Dorothy Thompson didn't like the whole idea. She said, why is everybody making such a fuss about women when they do anything important? Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, they understood when they were trying to break into the world of uh, male-dominated journalism and literature that they would have to work longer and harder and faster than their male colleagues in order to succeed. And they were willing to. They were willing to, especially Dorothy Thompson, who was a journalist, um, would go anywhere, anytime. Um, And she was like a huntress. All she wanted to do was bring back the story Mm -hmm. and prove to those who would hire her, that she was capable of this job. Well, she sounds very capable. She ended up as a a bureau chief in Europe, didn't she? Yes. She was the first female head of a news bureau Mm. in Berlin, and she was responsible for reporting on nine central European countries. Now, was that was that uh, prior to World War II? Yes. Um, okay. That was um, – she was there between 1925, mm. 6, and 1928 mm-hmm. when she met Sinclair Lewis. Right. They had a was, little They had a yes. little thing going, didn't they? They did. They did. <laughs> he, he was married. Right, and right. he was a father, right. um, but she knew nothing about this. And he was on a drunken brawl through Europe 
uh, trying to drown his sorrows because his wife had uh, left him for a Spanish count named Casanova. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he had also written uh, recently the uh, Elma Gantry book, and they were after him. The church was after him for all his uh, blasphemy and, um, you know, accusations of corruption within the church. Hmm. And uh, (laughs) she was the daughter of a Methodist preacher. Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah but it was like yeah. ma- it was like magic um because um he was very smart and very a very capable author mm-hmm. probably one of the most internationally famous satirists at the time but um he didn't know anything about about the world except his ability to write. He was totally lost mm-hmm. and at sea, and she was had a very strong moral core. Mm-hmm. She knew exactly what was right and wrong, and she thought she could save him, which, of course, she couldn't, but mm-hmm. uh, she, she tried like crazy. They were married for about 10 years, 15 yeah. years, actually. See, I always thought that uh, Sinclair Lewis drank because he was just tormented, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like Hemingway, you know. I mean, just tormented in, internally because a lot of these great authors were, were, you know, I mean, they were tormented. They had – they lived pain every day. They – you know, right? Yes, yeah. but I think I think it, it's complicated in the sense mm-hmm. that um, he, he was – you know, he was just smarter and more capable than anyone around him. He grew up in this small town, uh, Salk Center in central Minnesota, and nobody understood who he was. You know, they didn't understand someone who was so intellectually curious and so verbal. He was like a fish out of water, and his parents, just kind of uh, rejected him. Mm. Um, and also, I think that he he was definitely a genius, but I think he also had a lot of biochemical problems. I mean, you could, you know, analyze this, but um, he um, he drank t- in, in a way to self-medicate. Right. But um, he was an abusive drunk, hmm. let me tell you, hmm. no matter why. And um, she thought, she, as I said, she thought she could save him. But within three days of their honeymoon, she realized, you know, this was a lost cause. And um, she stayed with him because she became pregnant and had a son. Um, but she really went back to Europe. Uh, to restart her career, hmm. and I now was I, I read that um, uh, West married H. G. Wells. She didn't marry. Marry. Okay, I'm sorry. So it must That's have been okay. a, a love no, thing going no. on there. All right. <laughs> yes, he was. He was married. Oh, God, that's what it was. Yeah, he was married also. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, they were both married, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. And uh, he had two sons, 
But he made a deal with his wife mm. that he wouldn't divorce her. Now we're talking, you know, early nineteen, uh, early nineteen hundreds, early twentieth century, sure. when in Britain, when the stigma of divorce was mm. um, just too difficult for most women and their families to bear. Mm -hmm. And the deal was he wouldn't divorce her, but he could have as many mistresses as he wished. Mm. And he did. And Rebecca West was 19 years old when he met her, and he was 46. Mm. He, again, was, uh, you know, this literary rock star. Absolutely. Um, he had already written um, uh, The Time Machine, The Invisible Man, sure. War of the Worlds. Sure. And she was a 19-year-old hmm. upstart who was this journalist who had the gall to take him to task um, for his latest novel um, and to tell him that he it was about marriage. And she told him... He was a total misogynist, and he knew nothing about women or marriage. And <laughs> he was, the, he, but he was totally, you know, um, fascinated by her and invited her to his home, and it mm. was basically love at first sight. Mm. I, I think a lot of that may have happened turn of the century, um, you know, coming out of the Victorian age um, where marriage was uh, structured and. You know, I mean, uh, it, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it just makes sense that uh, this little beautiful little 19 year old comes along and he's going, hey, what am I missing? Why not? Why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that leads me to um, an important question, I think. Um, why did you pick Rebecca West and Dorothy Thompson to write Dangerous Ambition? Um, you know, how did you pick those two, and were you aware that this uh, polarity was going to was going to happen with the two of them? Well, I the book came out of my research for my biography of Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Sure. And no matter what I read, whether it was magazines or newspapers or books, mm. um, these two names were everywhere. And they were simply, Rebecca West and Dorothy Thompson were simply the most influential female voices of their time. And they came of age between the wars when um, the world was in chaos. I mean, it was a cataclysmic moment. The uh, fascist dictators were sweeping through Europe, and uh, they were among the first to understand and to articulate the threat to Western civilization, to democracy um, as we know it. Um, it's difficult for many of us who were born after World War II to understand really what was at stake. But these two women did, and they had the guts to speak truth to power and to the public and tried to rally them to um, intervene and confront the uh, fascist Nazi threat. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that 
makes a lot of sense to me. I understand it clearly because uh, typically, well, the way I the way I generalize uh, these men with power running countries, you know, industries, so on and so forth. A lot of these guys, um, to me, just don't seem like they learned how to share when they were little. <laughs> um, you know, they they might have not uh, gotten what they needed to it as a you know a young boy uh, growing up in their families, whatever. Um, you know, I think women. I think women are much more intuitive, much smarter, much more patient, and this book clearly shows me that you know we really need to take a look at women and their role in society and cultures because unlike uh well just in, recently you know uh, certain african tribes let's say have uh, a a woman dominated uh, uh clan let's say they make the rules they you know they make sure that things are done the way they're supposed to. These two women appeared to be way ahead of their times and uh, um, each of them very, very clear on what they wanted at the time, even though both of them went through you know, their bumpy uh, road uh, uh, during those 20, 30 years. Yeah, well, I think they were certainly more nuanced than emotionally than their men. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that um, these four main figures in the book, mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca West, H.G. Wells, Dorothy Thompson, and Sinclair Lewis, were really, um, really didn't know, they had no role models. Their parents either rejected them or abandoned them. And The women, yes, were more nuanced, but they didn't know how to, they wanted to love. They wanted to love their husbands and lovers. They wanted to love their sons, but none of them, not one of them, as brilliant as they were, Mm. had the tools to do it. And so what they were doing was just making up the rules on the fly. Mm. The women were anchored by the fact that they were mothers and they had this responsibility. Uh, the men weren't anchored at all. I mean, they completely had no interest for the most part in their children. But the women were, um, as he said, ahead of their time and very, very ambitious and um they didn't understand the implications of what they were doing. They didn't understand that if they dedicated themselves to their work and assigned um, caretaking of their children to nannies or to boarding school mistresses, that their own children would, in a sense, uh, suffer the same kinds of feelings of abandonment and neglect that they did. Hmm. And um, that's why it the book is called Dangerous Ambition, um, because they didn't understand the implications of what they were doing. One of the reasons why I wrote this was because I think, you know, 
human nature doesn't change that much in the sense that um, women will always be torn between their personal ambitions, their desire for professional careers, and their responsibilities at home. And these were women who broke all the rules and before their new ones emerged. And today, even though we have daycare centers and we have um, men have evolved to the point where they're willing to take over some domestic responsibilities, the conflict, the frustration, the, the striking of the balance between personal ambition and, and family responsibility is always there. It's there for women and it's there for men. And I think it has, um, this book, I mean, these women, their lives, have lessons to be learned, universal applications, if only because of the mistakes they made or the things they didn't understand. But I think the same conflicts are relevant to young women today in the 21st century. Well, I, t I totally agree that, it, well, especially then, um, trying to balance a family and career and other interests was, is, was extremely difficult. And and uh, I, I see this in my own kids today. It, it's hard today, too. I mean, different things going on. But, uh, uh, you know, I watch my young daughter. I've watched her go through... Uh, um, her desire, her uh, willingness to uh, take on more than maybe she's ready for, or uh, but then on the same time to try to uh, keep separate work and the boyfriend and you know the relationships uh, that 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 a, that a couple develops. Um, it 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 was quite actually sad to see that these two gals. Um, even though they were they were brilliant, as you said, and they were way ahead of their time, they just uh, they just couldn't uh, find that one magic button internally to make them happy. You know, fulfillment, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, they had the insight to yeah. know that they were making mistakes yeah. in terms of their relationships, and yet they didn't know how to correct it. And I think, you know, young girls today, like your daughter or my daughter, mm -hmm. who's uh, mm -hmm. probably older than yours, um, <laughs> is, um, I mean, the expectations for a young girl woman nowadays mm -hmm. is to have the career. Right. And um, she's expected to. And yet, when it comes down to it, um, that draw to fall in love, to marry, to have a family, pulls them in absolutely the opposite direction. And the conflict is real and, um, and um, very frustrating. And women do work it out, but they have to really work hard at it, as do couples. Yeah, Amen you to know. that. <laughs> yeah. You've been married a, a, a while, right? I mean, you've had to make concessions oh, yes. in your marriage, just like I have, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I feel, as th I feel as though I've been married, you know, I've been married to the same man, but almost 
you know, we had three different, you know, contracts together, you know, when we were bringing up the children when we were young and then, Mm -hmm. you know, as we got older and our lives became more and more um, separate and yet parallel. And Mm -hmm. it's every step of the way there's um, compromise and there's a pulling together. There's, you know, you have to have the will and the desire and the belief mm-hmm. that marriage is and family are worthwhile goals. Yeah, I agree. And and uh, on a, on a uh, on a last note, maybe it's uh, it's um, to me as a father. I'm 58. I've got a you know my oldest daughter's 35. I think. Um, um, it's. Uh, I, I want the best for these kids. Um, I, I just want them to be happy, and it's quite a delight. I th- I think uh, you could probably relate, but it's quite a delight watching our children go through these um, uh, time, uh, these these problems, these these sequences in life, and 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 it's it's very refreshing to see them problem solve, um, because what. My wife and I try to do is to just teach our kids how to problem solve because that's like like every day there's a freaking problem you gotta be, you gotta be able to to uh, you know uh, fix it to go forward so and it's true and I think role models matter and I think yeah. giving them the tools and being you know being married yourself for a while yeah. um, is a great gift yeah I think it um, is to one's children it teaches you as you say you know to persevere and make it through and just mm-hmm. resolve it i love it i love it yeah well um susan are you working on anything else um uh i've got to uh i've got to check out Anne moreau Lindbergh, her life i've got to check that out um love dangerous ambition uh, do you have anything on the horizon well, I've got a lot of ideas, but nothing solid yet. Okay, but I'm... Um, but I, you know, it'll be it'll be another biography, not necessarily of a woman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm interested in again, you know, how people, as you say, solve their problems and work out their lives. I think it's a great um, luxury to be able to study other people's lives and to learn from them. Well, I think it's important. Uh, a lot of people um, do not have the time, do not take the time to observe. Um, I'm, I'm, I love to observe. Uh, that's where I get my creativity from. And, uh, you know, you just – the old cliches, you gotta, you got to take time to smell the roses, I think applies to everybody, men and women, um, especially in today's world with uh, – so much crap going around <laughs> all yeah, over this the world. Twenty-four hour oh, instantaneous news yeah. and all this political stuff. Oh, <laughs> give me a break! Well, I know. Well, listen, I know. Listen, <laughs> Susan, I, I uh, one more question for you. Um, yeah. Okay, you live in Manhattan. Uh, I do. You've been married a while. You got how many children? Three. Three children. Okay. And so you grew. You lived in the East Coast. Most all of, my life. All, all right, fantastic. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So you got to tell me, kiddo, what do you cook? What do you eat? 
Come on. What do I cook? What Come do on. I eat? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I grew up in the kitchen, okay? I'm <laughs> Italian. Really? I'm Italian Polish. Yeah, I was in the kitchen. I see, I see. Yeah, so come on. Give me something. What do you what do you like? A pure Mediterranean diet for me. Vegetables, fruits. No, seriously. Um, you know, I'm not a vegetarian, but um I I love fish and poultry and and um yeah. Not big on pasta. You probably are. Uh, but a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I love, I'm sorry to tell you all this, but I love vegetables and love fruits. And, There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, no. but I mean, you know. And, and Yeah, and New York is, you know, you yeah. can get anything anywhere, uh, anytime you want it. That's, and, what's, that's what's so great about New York. Um, yes, and... Among other things. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. And I'm sure your book, I'm sure your book, Dangerous Ambition, is probably in every bookstore in New York City, isn't it? <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. It's definitely on Amazon. Though. Well, I know that. I checked. <laughs> Well, this has been great. Um, you know, it's, Susan, it's I wish... It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. I wish we had a little more time. Um, I'd, I'd really be interested if... Um, Boy, if you get uh, something going in um, uh, in the next while, I'd love to visit with you down the road and uh, talk to you. Um, yeah, your book, Dangerous Ambition, um, uh, Rebecca West and Dorothy Thompson, New Women in Search of Love and Power, a fantastic uh, dual bio on uh, two women that had uh, uh, amazing impact uh, abroad in the United States. And um, we'd like to thank Susan Hertog today for taking time with us. Um, and I thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you very much, Susan. Uh, this is uh, Greg Grasso again for the Marshall Public Library Radio Hour. I want to uh, thank NPR and uh, KISU staff manager Jamin Anderson for making this possible. Everyone, keep reading. <laughs>